You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey, joined by my co-host tonight, Mark Schofield, as it's here. I mean, we are on, by the time you are listening to this, it's NFL Draft Christmas Eve. This comes out Wednesday. You'll be just under 20, just over 24 hours away from the start of the 2022 NFL Draft. It has been a hell of a draft season. Mark, before we get started and before we tell the people what we're doing today, how ready are you for the for this weekend to be over with? Yeah, I am so ready, Connor. I mean, we're doing this. We're recording this on Tuesday night. I, I think you had like five shows in a Twitter space. I had like six shows today at a bingo night at my kids' elementary school. I just got done listening to elementary school kids scream for two hours <laughs> about bingo and I got to say it was almost more enjoyable than like being on Twitter today because <laughs> the takes have reached like just we've gone plaid. I, I've seen some. Aiden Hutchinson cannot play football somebody. anymore. It, it's somebody I love. Uh, but an Arnold Ebiketti t- is better than Kayvon Thibodeau take on the timeline today. And I just I Connor, I'm ready. I'm, I needed to be here. I just needed to be here. I'm with you, man. I am with you. I am excited for it. I'm honestly more excited for the draft this year than I feel like I've been in a long time. And yeah, I, think I am it's, too. It's because we don't know anything. Like right. we we don't know anything generally, but at least we had in years past. We knew what was going to happen at one, and as we're going to find out in a few minutes here, we don't know what's going to happen at one. We have <laughs> literally no idea. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're going to do today is we are going to run through a first-round mock draft um, of what – so this is how it's going to work. We talked about doing a one on what we think is going to happen or what we would do if we were the general manager. So what we're going to do is we're going to go pick by pick. Um, We're going to alternate picks. So I'm going to start it off with the number one overall pick. Mark will do number two. I'll do number three, so on and so forth. The first name we mention is going to be the name that we think is going to be called up on the podium Thursday night. So what we think these teams are going to do at each pick, then we are going to do what we would do if we were the team's GM. So you're going to get two names for each team at the end of it. You know, it might, it's going to, you're going to pay attention to more so what the 
what the teams are we think the teams are going to do but it's going to be interesting to hear our analysis for what we would do if we were these teams so kind of give you two different perspectives um so we're excited to do this and um, i'm going to start it off and i'm going to start it off and i'm going to be boring and i'm going to go trayvon walker because it's been aiden hutchinson it's been some discussions of akima kwanu We've heard more and more about Trayvon Walker and Alden Smith with Trent Baalke and how much, you know, he could see that in him and how the higher ceiling player, you know, could be the pick at number one. And while it wouldn't make a ton of sense to me because I think Hutchinson's a better player, I think even Aquanu would be the better player. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to draft – the higher ceiling edge in Trayvon Walker at the number one overall pick. And if I were the GM, I would draft Evan Neal with the number one overall pick. There it is. I would. There it is. Clap for your boy, everybody. Cause Connor got it right there. I, I, Evan Neal, it makes too much sense, right? That's right. Tackle in the class. Yeah. Might be the best left tackle in the class. Might be the best guard in the class. Might be the best player in the class. Like He is my number one player in this class. And yeah. I know I've said that a couple of times, but if I'm drafting number one, I want the best player in this class. I want to help my young quarterback. I want to get my offense on track. Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl with Jason Peters, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, just a ton of studs up front. You know, you got – players on that offensive line you've got Cam Robinson you've got Walker Little you've got Jawan Taylor draft a stud in Evan Neal and figure it out but I yep. think on Thursday night the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to draft Trayvon Walker the edge out of Georgia all right so that brings us to Detroit at two and I I think the the predictive one is easy here it, if it falls like this if Hutchinson stared them in the face it'll be Hutchinson yep. you know so he'll be the predictive pick what I would do is a little bit different. I would, I would give, and I've been told that they're given serious consideration to a corner or two. Yeah. Now, whether it's Sauce or Stanley remains to be seen. You know, do you do corner after you've already dipped into the corner well recently in the top of the draft? I don't know. With a good, and it didn't I don't work know out. That, but that didn't quite work out. Right. So I'm going to be bored. I'm going to say that Hutchinson would be the predictive pick, and it would be the kind of what I would do. You know, get okay. the clean edge. Like, just get yourself safe. an edge. Safe. Hit the double with it. Okay, fine. You're not striking out, though. Maybe it's not a home run pick, but you're not striking out. So, Hutchinson's both at two. I like it. I do. Um, it just makes too much sense. Yeah. You know, it makes a ton of sense. But, um, all right, for Houston at three, I think this is where the draft gets interesting, for me at least, yeah. because they could go – Anywhere they could go corner, they could go tackle, they could go edge. They, could, I mean, there's they could go Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, they could literally go in so many different directions. Um, for me, for me, I think what's going to happen with Houston at three. This is a tough one, man. This is tough. Because they have, they need everything. Everything. 
I'm going to do it. And I don't feel great about it. I'm going to give them Sauce Gardner. I don't know that that I, I don't feel great about it. I don't like if you had to bet money, if that's what I think happens, I wouldn't feel great about it. But the players are so good. It's a position yeah. of need for them. We're hearing some of the do they love Kayvon Thibodeau? Does the league love Kayvon Thibodeau as much as some of the media does? You know, Charles Cross is early there. I don't think they go Akeem Aquanu here just because – I mean, maybe they do, but just because they have a left tackle in Laramie Tunsil that they're invested in, and I don't know about Akeem on the right side. I think he'd be fine there. I think he could play guard, too, at a, at a high level, so maybe it's Akeem Aquanu. But I'm going to take a little bit of a flyer here, and I'm going to go Sauce Gardner, um, and I'm going to be boring too. If if it actually I'm not. If I was the Houston Texans, I would draft Kayvon Thibodeau here at th- number three overall. Um, but I'm going to say the predict- predictive pick is Sauce Gardner, and my general manager selection would be Kayvon Thibodeau to Houston. Yeah, see, I'm with you on on both of those. Really, I I would have drafted Thibodeau, um, but I think that they like Gardner. And that would, and we've seen some reporting that like corner isn't certainly in the mix for them at three. Right. That gets us to four. I'm going to give you the what I would do first. Okay. And that's Thibodeau. I would do Thibodeau here if I'm the Jets. I think that's the easy part. The predictive one is where it really gets interesting because I didn't believe this, but more and more people that cover the Jets are saying, get ready for it. Aquanu at four. And that and, are you? Let's see if you're hearing the same things I'm hearing. Mackay Becton and the Jets are yeah, falling apart. They, they are done with Becton. Becton has played his last snap. We've had people saying that. So tackle has become more of a potential draft position-wise for them at four. And apparently, they really like Aquana. Now, again, that's not what I would do. You've got Mackay Becton. You figure it out with him. But I think the Jets are going with Aquana at four. Yeah. And that the Giants are probably a little bit happy there because that leaves Evan Neal on the clock. He's, yeah. you know, we've taken him in our general manager shoe draft, but he's still yep. available in the predictive mock. And you had Andrew Thomas at left guard, uh, left tackle, and then you slide in what I think is the best right tackle in this class, uh, the best overall offensive lineman in this class, and Evan Neal. And I think that gives them two cornerstone guys on the tackle. Um, front and that kind of gives you a real barring injury barring health gives you a real chance for you to see what can Daniel Jones be and can we get Saquon Barkley back to being the guy we thought he could be Um, so I'm going to do Evan Neal as both of mine I think that that just makes so much sense for them Um, if he's there at, at fifth overall it'd be Evan Neal for me that gets us to Carolina at six. And there is that part of me that thinks about quarterback here just because they, they got to get one. Um, but I think, you know, it, we're not going to do trades, but this might be a spot where I'd say, hey, does anybody want to come up? You know, <laughs> if I could, yeah, I don't think anybody would. I mean, maybe if you love Thibodeau at this point, you know, if you're like Seattle at nine, and you think, hey, you know, Giants just drafted Neil at five. We want to get ahead of them at seven. You know, maybe, you know, they can slide back. But Let, let's you know. let's let's slide a bit of Cowboys talking here real quick. What gets what, what would Carolina need 
for you to come from 24 to six? What do you think in a class where they're, they're in a tough spot because they don't have picks. So, you know, they're desperate to accumulate picks and in a class where we've heard from multiple people that say it's not going to cost as much this year. The talent's not as, you know, good at the top of the draft. So, you know, looking at a trade value chart, it's like, geez, that is a hell of a price to pay to go from 24 to six. But given those circumstances, what do you think if Dallas wanted to come up to six right now and draft, draft Kayvon Thibodeau or Charles Cross even, what would it cost them? I mean, man, does it – I mean, a future first might be it. You think just 24 and the next year's one would do it? Yeah. I mean – Given the weakness of this class, I mean, maybe you get where else is Dallas picking in this draft? I'm looking at it. They now. got they got 24, 56, 88, 129, 155. I mean, maybe next year's first and then the one at 88. I mean, because Carolina is so starved for picks. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that I, I would be trying to take advantage of Carolina. I mean you know, so I mean, they'd want to get something between to bridge that gap between six and one thirty-seven, right? You know, so if you could get them to just take the one at eighty-eight and then a future first, now would you do that if you're Dallas? I would for Thibodeau, get, for Thibodeau, or or Cross. Really, I would do it for either one of those guys. I mean, for Thibodeau, I wouldn't move up to six for Cross, but I'd move up to six for Thibodeau. Because I mean, I that's the other thing. Like we always know that like there's the quarterback surcharge that you pay right. when you know you're coming up Dallas obviously right. isn't coming up for quarterback right yeah I mean I, I would trade if it just took me because if, if I'm moving up this high to draft Thibodeau I feel like I'm still in good position to win the NFC East what do I care I mean again I'm not drafting Kayvon Thibodeau at 24 next year which yeah you know again you're hoping that you're winning another playoff game and you're hoping that picks worse than 24 next year yeah, but, but it's 32 Right, right. And, and again, that's, you know, that's that's high hopes. But you would, again, like you would do the trade, the, the you, you do the trade that the Rams did for Matthew Stafford 100 times out of 100 times, and it just cost yeah. them the 32nd overall pick, which obviously it's a quarterback, so it's a different value there. But, I mean, I just – I think you get caught sometimes having this, like, extraordinary value on these draft picks for future picks. And – for the Cowboys, I mean, I, I, if it just, if it just took twenty four next year's one to move up to six, I'd be all for it, and I'd even consider throwing in one twenty nine. Well, you know, something. I have the PFF simulator up too, and according to the PFF simulator, twenty four eighty eight and a future first would get it done. I guess the the twenty four and. Next year's one would not get it done, though. That says it would get it done, too. Let's get it done. (laughs) (laughs) Just fleece in Carolina. They still don't don't have any picks this year. (laughs) I mean, I only think Carolina in the real world would do it if they got one of those picks to bridge that gap. But, like, this is fun with simulators, man. Just fleece in the Panthers. Yep, yep. Um, All right. So what do you got them doing? I mean, I got him going cross. Okay. I mean, 
that's what I would do. That's what they should do. I mean, that's what they would do if this falls that way. It's, you know, cross on both. I think it makes the most sense. What are the odds that they draft the quarterback there? At six, it's slim. I think if they slide back to, if they slide back to like 24, you know, they'll look at, okay, who's there. You know, we can get it. If they add a pick at 88, they can add a tackle at that point that, Maybe it's not one. It's not cross, but right. you know, you might get a Raymond there. You might get a Falele there. Like you might get a guy there that can play. Right. So you know, it, it, that would be the move, I think. Right. All right. Um. And number seven overall. This is tough because I mean, it just Thibodeau is just staring me in the face here, and I'm like, it's, it's got to be Thibodeau, right? It's got to be right. Like if you're just Shane, if you're just Shane, if you could come out of this with Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau, guys that we thought were one, two in this class, perhaps coming in. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you, but do they consider Stingley here? Yeah, they probably do. Because I mean, they got to move Bradbury. The money's yeah. just too much, and once you do that, you're starting corners. Are you and me? That's not going to win games in the NFC East. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I truly think as much as, as <laughs> I've drafted Thibodeau three times, I think, in what I would do scenarios, yeah. but I think the predictive pick would be Stingley, and I think I would draft Thibodeau. <laughs> yeah. So the pick, I'm giving them Derek Stingley, and I mean, I, they should be thrilled with that too. I mean, you're getting the highest upside corner in this class. I think he's got a little bit more bust factor to him than Sauce Gardner. But like you said, they kind of just have to do something at corner because Bradbury just doesn't seem like he's going to play there this year. Yeah. Stingley staring you in the face at seven. And Atlanta at eight. I, I really hmm. – Atlanta is such a hard team for me to figure out. Like, you could make the case that, yeah, they could go quarterback here with Malik Willis. I don't think they do it. You know, it just – it still feels that. early. I think they see if somebody slides into the 20s and then see if they can come back from 43. They need interior offensive line. We like Kenyon Green, but I'm not doing that here. Corner, the top two guys just went, and they need a ton of receiving help. So Who's I rushing think- the passer for them? You know, Connor, that's a very good question. Because I feel, I feel like get, it's – You get Grady Jarrett and a bunch – Lorenzo Carter cast off from the him. Giants. Um, Marlon Davidson. I mean, it's, it's a yes. thin group. I mean, if it were me, it's Thibodeau, just because, <laughs> again, makes the most sense. He's, he might be edge one on some boards, and you're getting him at nine. Um, Stop the slide. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Thibodeau's the guy, too. He's he's both. I can't see him slide anymore. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where it would end unless unless they go quarterback, but I just don't I can't see them going QB at this it, point. Man. Like the, the, the value just isn't there. I mean, yeah. Again, I like Malik Willis, but like at eight overall. Yeah, Not with Timothy no. staring me in the face. The value's just 
Yeah, are you going to draft Raymond at nine? Oh, God, Seattle. Just you need you need literally a left and right tackle pretty much. You're not great on the interior. You don't have a quarterback. I, this is the worst case scenario for Seattle. Awful. Because, like, they're at nine and everybody they could have wanted at the positions of need is gone. Do you think about Willis here? Dude, honestly, yeah. Like, there is no one. I mean, we're looking at PFF. They have Karloftis at 10 overall. I just, I mean, there's so much smoke where he's not even going to get drafted. Yeah, we're sitting here and he might not even go in the first round. I mean, you, I would draft Willis at nine here if I was Seattle. You have the receivers in place. Yeah. There's not a tackle there worth taking. You got picks in the second round to then get your tackle. You got a guy in place at quarterback that can play for a year if you need him to, and Drew Locke, even though it might not be pretty. I think I think they would go Willis in this situation. Yeah. And if it were me, I would draft George Karloftis and be excited about it. I think that makes sense. I mean, yeah. It just the board fell hard. Right. Like, right. Like they're they're praying that a Thibodeau's there, you know, yeah. they're praying that one of those edges is there. They're praying that maybe Charles Cross is there. So just that was a terrible first eight picks for them. <laughs> yeah, real. All right, Jets at 10. You know, they just went Oquanu at four. I know receivers definitely in the mix. I don't know if they go corner at this point. The other position people talk about is edge. Um, and... Man, Carl Loftus and Carl Lawson. Like, Very. that's kind of nice. Um, for what I would do, I would go Jermaine Johnson here. Okay. Because I, I, I think they would need to address edge. But I think the pick, Carl Loftus, again, the smoke there. But the guy I've been told that they're going to draft a 10 is Drake London. Yep. So he's going to be the predictive pick. Same thing I'm kind of hearing there. Yeah. I wouldn't do it, especially if you've gone offensive tackle. I think you add on the edge, and you're going to get a good receiver at 35 or 38, but I keep hearing London, so. I think Washington just had a mental breakdown because I hear they really like Drake London, too. Yeah. So, for Washington – I mean, it sounds like they're kind of zoning in on a receiver here, too, and I think that yep. their best guy just went. But, I mean, I would – they had luck in that Ohio State receiver well a couple of years ago with Terry McLaurin, bringing a guy like Garrett Wilson. You get an explosive inside-out receiver in Wilson that you compare with an explosive – really talented receiver in Terry McLaurin, and you're going to give Carson Wentz weapons. Yeah. going to give him a chance to compete for an NFC title with the offensive weapons and Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas, Garrett Wilson, Terry McLaurin, 
it's not for a lack of weapons if that offense struggles. And I think nope. I think that, that that would be what they would look to do if actually that's what oh, I forgot Kyle Hamilton was still on the board. Their safeties are not good. Kyle Hamilton is the pick here. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton is the pick. They do not have good safeties. Ron Rivera loves the safety position, and I would be excited to see what he could do with Kyle Hamilton because I think he could do a lot of good things with Kyle Hamilton in his defense. So Hamilton's going to be my selection for both because I think if I'm Washington and Hamilton made it all the way down to me, I would be running that card to the, the, the podium. All right, so now Minnesota at 12, which is fascinating to me because this always was the gap stop for Stanley. Stanley. But now Stanley's already gone. Um, and they, they desperately need a corner. I like Trent McDuffie, but... Love him. Yeah, I think... Yeah, he's the predictive and the what I would do. And it's interesting. Like, I thought about Jermaine Johnson here, but, you know, they added to Darius Smith. Like, they added Harrison Phillips. You know, they, they, they've they they still have Hunter. Like, they've invested a little bit in edge. Corner, it's just a wasteland right now. Yeah. I wonder, McDuffie. So, I wonder, I would love to know what teams think of Booth. With yeah. the injury stuff and all that, because I mean, I think, I mean, I think he's a guy who I know I wouldn't do it, but there's a lot of talk too. And what I'm kind of hearing is that like Kyler Gordon could be in consideration there at 12, which would be really early for me. But you're betting on that upside, you're betting on yeah. the size, the length. I mean, he's kind of got all those traits that McDuffie's lacks, but I would, I mean, I just think McDuffie's a really good ball player. I love McDuffie. I mean, I, I think he's a great corner. I mean, I like both too, but the injuries kind of scare me. So, yep. All right. So for Houston, we are back on the clock. We drafted Ahmad Sauce Gardner with a third overall pick. We still need Edge. Jermaine Johnson here. Yeah, that I mean, could work. Carl this could work. I know, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, you've talked a lot about Thibodeau at three. You've talked a lot about Trayvon Walker there at three. Yeah. Jermaine Johnson's kind of that next tier guy that, you know, has the the higher ceiling than maybe you're, you know, I, I think that makes a ton of sense for them. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Jermaine Johnson. And if I was Houston. I would have taken Karloftis. Yeah. I like Karloftis a little bit more than Johnson. Yeah, I do too. Baltimore at 14 is the easiest one. It's Jordan Davis for both. I mean, just, just put it into Sharpie right now. I, yep. I can't imagine he gets past Baltimore at 14. I can't it either. He screams Baltimore, man. That's both of your picks? Yeah. Predictive end. Yep, I agree. With you there, with you there. And then Philly, um, you know, I, I always thought that Philly would go receiver here with that first pick. 
Yeah. But there's been a lot of Devin Lloyd smoke there to them recently. Um, yeah, I, I, I go, I struggle with that one too because they, their linebacker core is not great. I know they had, who did they add? Added somebody. Yeah. Um, was it the guy from Kaiser White? Yeah. Yep. But I mean, um, that and yeah. oh, Hassan Reddick, but he's going to be more of a right, more of an edge. Yep. Um, I think I'm going to take a receiver here, though, just because you've got the Chargers and the Saints behind in between their picks that also yeah. could target receiver. I am going to go with Garrett Wilson, the Ohio State oh. receiver. Oh. And that would be what I would do as well. So those picks are going to be the same for me on the predictive and my GM shoes. New Orleans, this could get interesting. <laughs> ah, I'm really thinking about trying to pick it. But there's this part of me that still thinks that the Saints are going to move up again. No, that they're just going to stay here. They're going to take receiver at one spot and tackle at the other. And you think they move up again? They might. I think it was Breer that said, you know, the Saints are a team that could still move up. Right. You know, and, and maybe, I mean, the board didn't fall in a way that I think they would move up for, I don't think they'd be in a position to get to six for a tackle, you know, and to trade up for, you know, the third tackle in the draft is kind of a tough pill to swallow. Right. I don't know if they're, and, you know, the board, the way it is, they could just sit here and draft pick it. And we haven't really had the receiver run yet. So I think if it plays out this way, they take Williams. Jameson, I like it. What I would do would be Olave, to be honest. Okay, I like that too. Actually, I have Olave ranked above Williams. I'd probably, if it were me, I'd see, I'd lean Olave. I mean, they're both really good players. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, so you said Jamison. You said yeah. you're going to give him Jamison for the pick. I'll give him Jamison for the predictive. Okay. I'd probably lean Olave, but Jamison Williams, and then Olave. I'm, so, I'm fascinated to see what you do here. I, I I can't figure the Chargers out. I can't either, man. I like I think. They could go – I mean, actually, Trevor Penning. I think that that's what they're going to do. You think they're just going to, like, slide him at right tackle? Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, I, again, that's not something I would be excited yeah, I mean, about. I guess I'm more curious <laughs> to see what you would do. Forget Right, right. Um, so, Penning is going to be my predictive pick for – Oh, for receiver, I'd go Chris. I mean, for my pick, I'd draft Chris Olave. Yeah. And Williams, Keenan, I mean, and Olave. I mean, what is Olave is great route runner, natural separator, wins down the field. Justin Herbert just chucking it 
down the field to Chris Olave, then hitting Keenan Allen underneath, and then and then Williams doing what he does. Oh, Williams man. just running nine routes consistently, yep. and don't, I mean that'd be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, I'd I'd, I'd rather they go with your route than Trevor Penn, believe me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we talked about Penn, and we just don't see it. All right, um, man. Okay, Philly at eighteen. I think, I think Howie's gonna love Karloftis. Mm. So the, that's the predictive pick. If it were me, I'd go Devin Lloyd. Probably exactly what I would do. Because you know they're, they're linebacker group. I mean, you have Lloyd and White now. You know, with Reddick off the edge, I think that's nice. But I think Howie's gonna say linebackers don't matter. I'll draft one on day three. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Do the Saints take Bernard Raymond here, or do they go quarterback? I think you take Raymond and just punt. You get Dalton and Jameis. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I think. I mean, if they're going to draft a QB, I think you would do it at, you know, their earlier pick, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Said you well, haven't. Do you though? Because so so you you got Chargers and Philly behind you. You maybe Philly. I don't know. I don't think Philly would move out of there, and I don't think Chargers would move. I don't know. Chargers are a team that's been talked about trading back, but you might feel like I'm not going to lose out on my quarterback in those next two picks, but I could lose out on my receiver. Yeah. I don't even like Kenny Pickett, but I think if I was the Saints and knowing – Right? Right. Like, he's ready to play. I mean, I, I'm going to go Raymond and predictive and Pickett in what I would do. And, again, I don't like Kenny Pickett that much, but the fit makes a ton of sense. I think with their cap situation – you know, getting a cheap quarterback for the next five years yeah. is a good plan for them. for them. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go Raymond, and Pickett would be my uh, GM shoe pick. All right. Well, that leaves Pittsburgh with Kenny Pickett. That's that's the both. Um, yeah. You know, he played at Pittsburgh. They... He played at Hyde's Field. Here we go. Do you think – there's been a lot of chatter too around. They really like Ritter, but do you yeah. think that's just if Pickett's not there? Or I think that's if Pickett's there. not there, they're fine with Ritter. The one I'm more curious about is Howell at 32. I'm hearing that more and more and more. Okay, is that so, Pickett for both for you? Yeah, Pickett for both. And you still think if Willis, let's just say in this world, if Willis and Pickett are both on the clock, I think if 20, they're both there, it's Willis. I do too. You know, again, because like the upside and and you with Mason Rudolph, with, you know, Mitchell Trubisky, you at least have a year, you know. Right. I think this pick for New England would be pretty easy. And I think it'd be Devin Lloyd. Yeah, it's it's like Jordan Davis. Like if it's not Devin Lloyd, I'll be stunned. Yep, I agree. And Devin Lloyd is the pick. And that was probably our quickest Jordan Davis and Devin Lloyd were the two quick ones tonight. Yeah, those those are the two easiest to do. All right. This is another one I struggle with because they badly need a receiver, but it always thins out. Right. Like, 
Um, so this is Green Bay 22. And they're just, Wait. they're not going to pick Olave. Yeah, and that's just it. Olave staring you in the face. Olave is what I would do here. Like, what Olave you would do or what board. you think they would do? That's what I would do. Olave makes so much sense. I'd, I'd run to the podium at this point in the draft. I think they go Burks over. That's who I keep giving them is Burks, but. And there's this other part of me that says George Pickens, but I don't know if they do it at 22. I think predictive is Burks. I do too. I mean, I just think that he fits their size. Yeah. I mean, how, 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 let's talk about Aaron Rodgers throwing that hot route, like bubble slant, whatever you want to call it, to yep. Traylon Burks out of the slot and then him running over seven defenders. <laughs> yeah. That's they'll, all they'll ask him to do is run back shoulders, run goes, run deep overs off of play action and some tunnels and smokes. Yep. And Aaron Rodgers will trust him on that. I think the pick here for the Cardinals, let me make sure we don't have a blinking light, but I think it's going to be Zion Johnson. I think that is what I would do as well if I was Arizona as Zion Johnson. And that leaves Mark with the Dallas Cowboys. So, yeah, Connor got to take care of my Patriots. Now I get to take care of the Dallas Cowboys. See what punters um, are available. Yeah, where's what, that LSU kicker? Is he he's still <laughs> on the board? Um, Nicobe Dean is kind of staring me in the face here. We, we have talked about our love for Nicobe Dean. Uh, with Zion coming off the board right before us, that stings a little bit. Um, I could give you Tyler Smith. It seems to be a thing. And a matter of fact, that is going to be the predictive. Tyler, no, don't do that to us. Don't do, <laughs> don't do that to us. I, I won't, I won't, I won't allow you to do that. I won't allow you to do it. <laughs> We've been vetoed. I, I'm vetoing that one. Oh man. Mark. Um, Chris Olave is there. Yeah, I Let's think he would. I think he would be the guy. Let's like I think, they, I think that they would consider if Olave gets past. Let's just say Olave at nineteen. Yeah, if if New England drafts their receiver at sixteen and then they go tackle at nineteen, I think they would call Pittsburgh and go, "Hey, you know we're not coming up for a quarterback. You need a quarterback. Let us come up for." you know, a fourth round pick, make sure we get our receiver. Let's do Because you know that 21, unless you think somebody could trade into one of those spots, but yeah. New England's not drafting a QB. Green Bay's not. Arizona's not. So 21, 22, 23 in all likelihood, not going to be a QB. Right. And you could even call, I mean, it, it would be, you'd have to have some trust there, but you could even call Green Bay and be like, if you, you know that if you know that they don't want Olave, you know, and they're considering Burks, and you're like, look, you have a preference at receiver, I have a preference at receiver. I don't want somebody to come up and get him. Let me yeah. just come up and secure him. So I, I think it would be Olave in this situation just because I, I think they really, really like him and he fits. I mean, he's so we have our first runner. veto. 
Tyler Smith from Tulsa. I'm, I'm sorry. I, just, I, I, I couldn't go to bed angry tonight. <laughs> so what would you what would you do in that situation? I do Olave. Okay. He's just so good. I mean, he's so, so good. good. And he's what they need. Like they don't Michael Gallup likely to miss four to five games, you know, to start the year. Yep. You know, James Washington is a decent, you know, third wide receiver, fourth wide receiver in his role. They need a guy that can come in and be a wide receiver too. And yeah. then let Michael Gallup slide back into that wide receiver three, wide receiver two kind of role that he that plays. on day one. Day one. So Buffalo is on the clock. I mean, I feel like for so long it was Devontae Wyatt here. And I feel like yeah. it was like, you know, like him and Ed Oliver. It was a thing, but we've heard some of the Devontae Wyatt rumors too, where it's like, is he yep. going to fall a little bit because of the off the field stuff that we're digging into? And I mean, how fun would Sky Moore be in that offense to replace a Cole Beasley? You got Gabriel Davis. It's, it's perfect. It terrifies so. me as a Patriots fan. It legitimately yeah. terrifies me. I don't, I don't have a good feeling. I think, I think truthfully, I think the predictive pick is going to be Devontae Wyatt because I know that their defensive line they're looking to add there. But for me, it would be Sky Moore just because I think that fit makes way too much sense. So I'm going to give him Devontae Wyatt. Tennessee is another team I, I always struggle with. Um, Moore would be interesting. I just hmm, – I don't know if they go receiver. They've got other needs. Um, Kenyon Green filling in for – Kenyon Green is who I keep giving them, and right. I think he's the predictive pick. The what I would do, I'm gonna actually mention two names here. The Sky Moore is one of them because I think you know it, they run a lot of play action. You know, Western Michigan did so much on RPO like glance type stuff, and he was always open on it, like even against press. Yeah, but I'd give consideration to Ritter here. Mm. I mean, just because you're near the end of Tannehill's contract, I think you have an out after this year. And Tennessee's that, like, I keep telling people, that's the sneaky team at the end of the first that, like, might surprise people and go quarterback. Um, so, Kenyon Green's the predictive one, but Ritter and Sky Moore, I'll say Ritter is the what I would do. Okay. I think this one's easy for Tampa Bay, and that would be Kenyon Green. Yeah. I think they need interior offensive line. And Kenyon Green – oh, crap. But Kenyon Green went. just went – Oh no! Gosh, that throws a wrench in it. Um, God, I mean, I know they need a center. What happened? Did Jensen reset? No, Jensen? Jensen's still there. Right. So I, I don't know. They... Center depth might be what they think is a need. They don't yeah, need a I was starter. Say, no. You know, and really, they traded for Shaq Mason, so like you still have Stinny, like. I feel like D line's more of a need because, yeah. you know, they don't have Sue back yet. He's still a free agent. Travis Jones here. Travis Jones could work. Logan Hall might be a good fit too. I mean, yeah, because they do some odd man fronts. 
What about what about Arnold Ebiketti coming up and rushing the passer with Shaq Barrett? And... I want to say no, just because that's who I want at twenty eight. <laughs> but no, I think that. Yeah, makes I sense. vetoed. I vetoed you. You can veto me. No, 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 no. You had you had full reign to veto me because that was a Cowboys pick. This is different. You know what? You know what? I'm going to give you your guy. I'm going to take Boy Mafe here. That works, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, a little different than Ebiketti, but a guy who guy who has the explosive traits. The well, size. let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. The Ebiketti fit is what I would do. I'm going to go in a different direction to 28. So if you really want Ebiketti, it's no big deal. Who do you think goes first, Ebiketti or Mafe? I think Ebiketti at this point. All right, let's do Ebiketti then. And so Ebiketti is a predictive pick for me. I would go, I think I would do that too. Actually, I would probably go Mafe. I like Mafe. I think you like Mafe more, right? He's an older prospect, but I think Mafe in the right situation where he's it's it's kind of reminds me a little bit of Jason Oway from last year, where yeah. it's like rough, little raw, but the traits are there, the size is there. Put him in a defense where he's not asked to be the dude, and we can get him one on one reps. And I think you can do that in Tampa Bay with guys like Shaq Barrett and the rest of that defensive front. Um, so I think Mafe playing alongside Barrett and Vita Vea and all those type of guys would be a lot of, make a, make a lot of sense. So I gave him Ebiketti, but I'm going to go in my shoes. I would go Mafe. All right. So Green Bay at 28. Um, I'm going to go Travis Jones. I like it. I'm tired of seeing Kenny Clark getting double teamed. Yep. And I'll be both for you. Yeah, that's both for me, just because I think that makes a ton of sense for them. I do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. God, I'm so tired of seeing. I don't even know that. What's what's the old fifty year old white guy that plays five technique for them? Oh. He's not really fit. He's only like a, it's only like his third year in the NFL, but every time I see him, I'm like, that guy's 150 years old. Is it Dean Lowry? Dean Lowry. I mean, that guy was born in the sixties. There's no doubt, but all right. Kansas city here, sky more. Yeah. I mean, come on. (laughs) All right. So I give them sky and I think that would be my pick. For both. So you were on the clock again with Kansas City at 30. This is this. Booth is staring you in the face. You do have a need a corner. So I'm going to say the predictive is Booth. But the what I would do is Daxton Hill. Love it. I was going to say that. I mean, I think, you know, 
the versatility slot safety you're losing honey badger yep not that daxton hill is honey badger but he's closer to that than than booth so yep no i agree uh, i love that but, but boost the pick there yeah I, I mean i like both of those i think both yeah. of those are, are are good picks for them um jesus christ i mean there's you stop the slide right I mean, you have to, right? I mean, he's he's a good fit for what they do schematically. Like, if there's a landed spot for him that it's makes sense, that's got to be it's Lunderbaum. Yeah, it's Lunderbaum. Though I would love to see Logan Wilson and Nakobe Dean playing side by side in that Cincinnati defense. Oh. <laughs> well, I I keep wondering if if. What's Chad Muba finds his way to Cincinnati? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense too. All right, close it out. All right, this this one's real quick. Let let me just say something real. I I don't think you're going to do this. I don't. I'll let you go first because I don't want to ruin it for you. All right, the predictive is Sam Howell. And I hate myself for saying it, but I, I'm reading the tea leaves. I keep thinking that's what's going to happen. The what I would do is Ritter, but the Georgia safety—they have such a need at safety. Yeah, I'd rather get the fifth-year option on a quarterback, which is why I go Ritter. And plus, look—you're picking, you're yeah, turning you're right up. around and picking again, right? So. You know, yeah. you've got a pick at 34. Yeah, and if you want to move up. Probably doesn't go safety. Right. If you want to move up a spot or two to secure Lewisine or Jalen Petrie or whoever it is, then you got capital. <laughs> yeah, or you could just – you got either, you know, scene or, you know, you'll have Brisker there if you want, like Petrie there if you want. You're going to get a good safety in that spot. Yeah. No, so. I, I, I agree. If I was Dan Campbell, if I was Dan Campbell. If you're Dan Campbell, it's Dean, right? Dean. That is a Dan Campbell football playing son of a bitch right there, man. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. Yep. Maybe they draft him at 34. I just think the the fifth year option of the QB is it's got value. Oh, it is. I mean, they're I'd be stunned if they don't draft a quarterback there. Um, just like you said, for that fifth year option and making sure, you know, that somebody doesn't move up. Cause again, you, you got teams in that early second round that could move up with Jacksonville and, and draft, yeah. you know, the, 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 whoever's left. So, all right, let's, uh, let's review it real quick. So we got Jacksonville Jaguars starting off the draft, taking Trayvon Walker, who is now the betting favorite to be the number one overall pick. On Thursday, uh, number two, the Detroit Lions take Aiden Hutchinson. Well, here, let me do this different. We have the Jacksonville Jaguars drafting on Thursday, Trayvon Walker. I gave them Evan Neal. The Detroit Lions taking Aiden Hutchinson. We gave them Aiden Hutchinson. The Houston Texans selecting Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I said I would go Kayvon Thibodeau in that situation. The New York Jets selecting Akima Kwanu. You had them taking Kayvon Thibodeau in that situation. The New York Giants take Evan Neal at five. I have them taking Evan Neal at five. 
you had the Carolina Panthers drafting Charles Cross at number six, and you also said you would have drafted Charles Cross at number six. I have the New York Giants drafting Derek Stingley at number seven. I would have drafted Kayvon Thibodeau at seven. Atlanta Falcons drafted Kayvon Thibodeau at number eight. You had them taking Kayvon Thibodeau at number eight. The Seattle Seahawks take Malik Willis at nine after a dreadful start to the draft for them. They kind of got back into a corner and uh, ended up with Malik Willis. Um, We said we would have drafted George Karloftis in that situation. Uh, The New York Jets at 10 are taking Drake London. And I had them taking – actually, you had them taking. I think you did the Jets pick there. You had them taking Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. Um, Washington. I had them taking Kyle Hamilton, and I also would have drafted uh, Kyle Hamilton in that situation. Uh, Number 12 there at Minnesota. We had them drafting Trent McDuffie, and you had them also drafting Trent McDuffie in that situation. Houston, Jermaine Johnson. I would have gone George Karloftis. Baltimore, Jordan Davis. No-brainer. You also would have went Jordan Davis. Philadelphia at 15. Garrett Wilson would have also gone Garrett Wilson. New Orleans Saints at 16, drafting Jamison Williams. We would have went Chris Olave. Los Angeles Chargers at 17, drafting Trevor Penning. We also would have went Chris Olave. Philadelphia at 18, drafting George Karloftis. You would have went with Devin Lloyd. Number 19, we have the Saints drafting Bernard Raymond. I said I would have went with Kenny Pickett, but I did not feel great about it. So, Saints fans, don't kill me. (laughs) Pittsburgh at 20, drafting Kenny Pickett. That is also what you said you think they do in that situation. Yep. The New Orleans Saints drafted Devin Lloyd. I also had them taking Devin Lloyd. Patriots. Patriots. What did I say, Saints? (laughs) Yep. New England. New England Patriots drafted Devin Lloyd. I also had him drafting Devin Lloyd. Green Bay Packers at 22 taking Traylon Burks. Uh, you would have had them drafting Chris Olave. Arizona Cardinals, I gave them Zion Johnson. I would have also drafted Zion Johnson. 24 at Dallas, you tried to give them Tyler Smith, and I had to step in and stop the nonsense. Stop the insanity. Stop the nonsense. And we uh, we agreed on Chris Olave both ways. Buffalo at 25, taking Devontae Wyatt. I would have gone Sky Moore. Tennessee at 26, going Kenyon Green. You would have given them Desmond Ritter there. 27, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers drafting Arnold Ebiketti. I would have went Boy Mafe. 28, we have the Green Bay Packers taking Travis Jones. You also would have went Travis Jones. 29, Kansas City, Sky Moore also would have given them Sky Moore. 30th overall, Kansas City. Andrew Booth Jr., you would have went Daxton Hill. 31 to the Bengals. Tyler Linderbaum both ways. And to close it out, Detroit Lions closed day one out with Sam Howell. You would have went with Desmond Ritter. That is exactly how the 2022 exactly. NFL first round is going to go. Place your bets wisely, boys and girls. Closing thoughts. 
But this is exactly how the first round is going to go. Um, no changes. Um, no, no notes. I think we did fantastic. Um, it's filled with uncertainty. I, I do think, though, Trayvon goes first. That's like the only thing I'm like almost sure of at this point. Yeah, I, I was talking to some people today at, at work, and they were like, who do you think's going number one? And I told them who, and they were like, who? Yeah. <laughs> They're like, I thought it was a Michigan guy. And I was like, hey, last week I probably thought the same thing, but you're just starting to hear. And again, it is Lions season. They could all be, you know, made up whispers, but just sounds sounds like it's shifting to Trayvon Walker or Akeem Aquanu. Yeah. So there we go. Look, we got our final interview of the 2022 NFL draft season that is coming up next on the show. So hang around as we'll be with UVA tight end Jelani Woods. He's going to close out the uh, the prospect interviews for this draft season. We're not quite done as we're going to come back next week and, you know, kind of recap some things, talk about some of our favorite picks, some of the ones we didn't like. So stick around. We're about to be joined by UVA tight end Jelani Woods. Thank you guys so much for listening. Stick around to listen to him and then come back next week as we'll look to recap the 2022 NFL draft. Thank you guys so much. We'll be back. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm excited to be joined by Virginia tight end Jelani Woods. Jelani, man, how you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? Good. We are 24 hours away from the start of the NFL draft. I'm sure the the nerves are racking up and you're you're getting excited, really excited to see where you end up. But uh, you got any exciting plans for this coming up weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm probably just uh, doing a little get together with my family here in Atlanta and then, you know, try to enjoy the process while enjoying my family at the same time. <laughs> It's so funny because I talked to talk to a lot of guys throughout the offseason. They're like, yeah, I'm excited. But they're like, you know, you got your family and friends who are having like a party in the background. And I'm normally just like on the couch focused on the TV, like kind of stressing out. So it's not as right. fun for me as it is for them. All right. Um, so you obviously got a, a busy week ahead. Draft starting on Thursday. You probably got plans all week throughout. Um, you guys, you just get together at the house or you got you, you, you booking out something or what's what's your what's your plans? Yeah, I'm going to uh, just get together in the house and then um, try to um, have a couple of family members uh, come over and then, you know, try to enjoy whichever day uh, happens, but probably be Friday where I'm happy everybody come around and enjoy it. 
we've had a busy offseason, man. I mean, with the, the the bowl games, the combine, I mean, the the pro days, all of that. You've had a visit. You've been on a lot of visits. Take us through that process, because you know, coming out of you know last year, coming out, you know, you transferred to Virginia, and it was kind of, I mean, your year at Virginia was huge. I mean, you were primarily a blocker at Oklahoma State, which we'll get into all that in a little bit, but it's almost got to feel surreal to you right now to know what you're getting ready to step into. Uh, definitely so. Uh, it's been a good journey, honestly. Uh, it was well getting with uh, UVA, especially starting off. Uh, with the journey there and then being able to, uh, you know, capitalize off of the opportunity they gave me pretty much. And uh, like you said, like at Oklahoma State did a lot of blocking and stuff and then kind of knew what I can do. So that was kind of my deal into transferring to Virginia just to you know, add that receiving aspect to my game as well. And then, uh, you know, come more of a versatile balance type of tight end, be able to do both. And uh, like I said, Virginia gave me an opportunity and they ended up, you know, trying to make the best of my, opportunity during the year uh even though like well me I tell everybody because most people don't know I was hurt all year pretty much had a high ankle sprain so that limited me uh to be able to uh you know show as much as I can but um with the stuff that I did show I felt like that was pretty good and then going into this um off season as well it's been you know it's been magnificent just getting back to 100% pretty much so showing everybody you know my true capability and um you know, just going by like that, you know, trying to just make the best of, you know, what I have pretty much. So you played on a high ankle sprain for all all of this last season or for most of it? Uh, about 90% is yes, because like oh. right after uh, Illinois game, uh, UNC uh, ended up having a high ankle sprain. Wow. So I, I ended up playing on it all year. Um, and yeah, it's crazy but yeah I <laughs> yeah that that is crazy how you know the numbers you put up and all you showed as, as a receiver you know coming in is, is more of a blocking tight end where most scouts probably view jazz and then you come in and put up those numbers on a high ankle sprain doing things that I think a lot of people might have wondered if hey is he capable of doing them and that's just that's right. that's really crazy which your career arc is a crazy one I want to get into that here in a little bit but we talked about the the visit portion of it too I mean that's got to be a really fun experience to go to all these different um, front, you know, all these different uh, organizations and front offices and seeing their facilities and all that. Can you take us through um, just some of the aspects of those visits and maybe some of the questions you were getting and kind of just the overall summary of how those 30 visits went out, went on for you? Uh, Within the visits, all of them was good. Uh, I would say definitely don't, the one thing I joke about is of course the traveling, you know, getting on the planes because you get delayed a lot. Right. So uh, it kind of makes shifts your schedule and you really don't know how your schedule is going to go because of that. But uh, it's been awesome. Like most of the uh, things that I like encounter on the visits really was just more getting, to, you know, getting to know me since uh, kind of like, you know, how everybody say I popped on to the scene right. pretty much. It's more of getting to know me thing, getting to know me more than anything. Cause I guess, you know, doing their research, uh, the uh, team viewed me as a high character guy. And things like that. So, uh, you know, I don't really have any problems with uh, any like disciplinary or anything like right. that. But once we, you know, go over um, like film tape with the different staff, scouts, and everything, and then, um, you know, go through the questions and getting that out the way, it's pretty much smooth selling from everybody. Uh, like I said, it's just pretty much more of getting to know me. So, uh, the, you know, it's been very smooth for, throughout the whole process. How many 30 visits did you go on this year? I uh, believe four or five. 
Okay, cool. And how many, just this is more of a question for me, but how many times have you heard the question, why didn't they use you more as a receiver at Oklahoma State this offseason? Uh, yeah, I get that all the time. <laughs> uh, a lot of, t- well, really, they don't say it like that. They just say right. what was the reason for me that I transferred. But right. I think they kind of understood or got that idea of why right. they just wanted to hear it come from me. All right, now I got to ask, I got to be biased for a second. I don't know if you'll be able to touch on it or not. Um, big, I, I covered the Cowboys. I'm a big Cowboys fan. I know you had a 30 visit with them. Can can you dive into how that one in particular might have went for you? Uh, I would definitely say that, uh, that 30 visit was uh, really good. Uh, I feel like uh, I left a great impression with all of the coaches, uh, even in the meetings we had with the gym and owner. I think feel like that went really well, so. Um, that's probably what I know I can say, but they went really well. That's good. I'm, I'm hoping they're uh, we're, we're, they're they're in need of a tight end. I know uh, mm-hmm. the agency you're with. They, they also represent Dalton Schultz, who just received right. a franchise tag, and they um, you know they they like what Dalton Schultz did, but kind of need a guy to play alongside him. And then he's on a franchise right. tag, so you never know what happens next year. So I know they're right. targeting a, a tight end within those first you know top 100 picks, and I'm hoping you'll be around at one of them to uh, be the selection. So I want to talk about the career arc a little bit because it's just been a uh, I know it's probably been a whirlwind for you and it's kind of been a fun one to follow, you know, from the outside looking in. But you came out of high school as a quarterback. You drafted Oklahoma or uh, signed to Oklahoma State as a quarterback prospect. You played quarterback throughout high school, got drafted to Oklahoma State as a quarterback. What all what all led to you then transitioning from quarterback to tight end? Uh, just like I said, it's pretty simple. Uh, Ended up one week, uh, we play OU, the rivalry game, Bellum. So going into that week, um, they ended, needed somebody to impersonate Mark Andrews pretty much. So I was, you know, 6'6", 230 time, and I was like, you know, second-string scout team at, or first-string scout team. But we didn't have anybody, so they asked me to um, impersonate him for the week. So I ended up doing really well at it all week. And then, like, that next morning, Sunday morning, I'm going into bowl season. They ended up uh, asking me, you know, to switch. And with me, uh, I just wanted to give them a feel pretty much. Right. So I kind of, you know, made that process very simple and very easy. And I was just like, I'm good to go. I'm, I want to do it. And that's always an interesting conversation because you, not you, but like the position of quarterback is like, I'm, I'm a quarterback. You know, you're not going to get me to play tight end. But also love that that is such a natural transition for quarterbacks to tight end for some reason. We've seen it with guys like Logan Thomas, you know, for, for Washington, that quarterback, he actually got drafted to be a quarterback and it was just like, yeah, we're going to, you know, you got the size, you got the athleticism. Let's, let's move you tight end. And it just seems for a position you really don't like put two and two together on. It just seems like it's a normal natural transition for those quarterbacks to move the tight end and find success. Right. I feel like it, like you said, it is because especially in my like instance, I'm already, you know, the same size. And most right. quarterbacks kind of are that 6'4", um, you know, frame. And then all you have to do is kind of put on weight or, like, you know, the physicality technique. That's all you really have to work on pretty much. So that's, like, coming from me, that's kind of how I was. Uh, I already had the physicality because at quarterback, I ran the ball a lot. And I kind of, right. like, like to do that dirty work. And then um, – but the main thing with me would just be technique, like refining my routes. Uh, inline blocking, stuff like that, you know, make sure I hit the technique standpoint. But, um, you know, mentally with how you run route, I mean, mentally how you see coverages and, like, fronts and things in that nature, uh, it was really, came really easy. So the game was very slow for me. It was just me mastering my craft 
within the game, I would say definitely was the like the transitional part that I had to work on. So when you get drafted later in the week, wherever that is, we've we've seen a lot of things recently with injuries and you know COVID's been such a big deal with where are you going to land on the quarterback depth chart in an emergency situation wherever you're drafted? Is that still in there? I would. Oh yes, definitely is. <laughs> my, I, um, well, when I was training, at, a lot of guys was like trying to make the guy knew my background, so they was like, "Man, you can't throw it." So we ended. I ended up proving it. Then they was like, "All right, like all right, you got it." You got, they, could, they could definitely tell they're still in me. Has any team actually talked to you that about that at all? Been like, "Yeah, we oh, want yeah. to the some, A lot of teams joke about it, and then you know they talk about like you know the creative plays, so right. special teams. Uh, talk about like the double passes from tight end to you know a right. different position in the game. Uh, they definitely have talked about that. So that's another intriguing aspect that I can you know bring to the table. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you get to Oklahoma State. You know, like I said, they usually primarily is that blocking. You know, inline tight end, and you did really well at that. We talked about the transfer into Virginia and then having you know almost 600 yards, a lot of touchdowns. You know, you're a big part of that offensive weapon as a receiver. Obviously, at Oklahoma State, it's a lot about the game plan, the offense. What was it that got you, you know, deciding, hey, I need to get to Virginia so I can show what I can do as a receiver? I mean, I'm, I'm sure a lot of it was coaching, game plan, all that. But what aspect was it that was like, okay, you know, hey, if it's not going to be here, I need to transfer out and go somewhere that I can show my skill set. So when the draft does come around, I have the best ability to, to do what's best for my future. Uh, with me, it was just more of, you know, knowing the scheme that we ran at Oklahoma State, like you said, like, uh, we just do a lot of, like, we had Tuba Hubbard, Justice Hill, right. and it's more 2,000-yard backs. Right. So we just do a lot of play action or downfield running, you know, run game, and inside zone, outside zone type of stuff. So um, I knew that, you know, it was kind of a limited opportunity for me to get the ball. And then um, having Tyler Wallace, uh, having uh, – all these other guys as well outside on the edges, you know, it's the ball can only go to one person. So right. uh, with me, I was just like, you know, to just help myself out. Like you said, entering the portal and trying to find another, you know, team that um, I would say that will use me differently. I would say definitely, you know, was in my thought process. And that's kind of what triggered me into doing that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would say it's, it's really was really fun to watch you break out this year, but in the draft, you know, as, as we're evaluating and scouting it, we always say it's all about projection and not about production. So, you know, going to that place where it's like, all right, let's project what I can do with these traits and, and this ability is it. Cause your first couple of years, you know, you hundred yards, it's, it's, you know, oh, we got another blocker, but what do you have as a receiver? And then you go to a place that puts you in that situation to project right. that and it opens That's up so many opportunities. Yeah, really, and that's kind of how I was. So when I was at um, Oklahoma State, like in practice and everything, that's kind of how I was playing. I was like that, how I was in Virginia. So it ain't like I just uh, right. came out of nowhere and then started, you know, um, playing out of no, like you know, actually doing interesting stuff. So I just went from Oklahoma State, and Virginia gave me the opportunity to show what I could do. So yeah. I was able to, you know, easily show it. But um, like I said, I was the same, you know, the same player there that I am now, but right. just a little bit more refined and a little bit more opportunity, I would definitely say. Yeah. I mean, you see that all the time in the NFL nowadays where guys will get, you know, go somewhere else in free agency or get traded and they go from people like, wow, he finally broke out. And it's like, no, I just went to a different scheme. He played in a different right. role. And, right. Um, 
Well, dude, it, it, you know, I know you only spent a year in Charlottesville um, at UVA. I'm from Richmond, Virginia, so just a just okay. a just a couple miles down the road. But how? I mean, I just was curious. What did you think of Charlottesville? Did you like that your time there? You know, being that you were so close to where I am, I spent a lot of time in Charlottesville, so I do like the the area and all that. Oh yeah, I love it. I love Charlottesville. Charlottesville is nice. Charlottesville, is like, because I had my own place there, so uh, definitely got out a little bit and ventured around. And I felt like that made that like my second home. So right. uh, I definitely love Charlottesville. The community was nice. I uh, didn't have to worry about anything. Good food. Uh, oh, great food. Uh, I would say like the coaching staff was great. Like first day ended up connecting with everybody in the whole facility. So uh, it, it was awesome all around. I'll definitely say that. Good deal. Definitely will be going back all the time. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, so obviously your off season outside of the visits, outside of training and all of that has been, I mean, you could say it's been the best process off season process for anybody that's ever come out of the draft. I don't know. Are you familiar with the term RAS relative athletic score? Uh, of course I have been seeing it. <laughs> a lot of people tag me in it and then I end up seeing it. So yeah, I'm familiar with it. How cool is that? I mean, to be ranked as the, most i mean and it's not just athleticism it's uh you know it's just the most projectable tight end prospect of all time pretty much with the, the size yeah, the weight that, the that everything. definitely that definitely you know shocked me because i did not expect that at all uh i knew what i can do especially testing wise because uh, that's kind of how um we trained at virginia so they are they always they already knew how i was going to test you know prior to even entering the draft and things right. like that. So, um, yeah, it definitely shocked me, though. I was definitely surprised <laughs> by that. Not even going to lie. So you – it's, you know, obvious what you did at the Combine. If, if people aren't familiar with that by now, I'm sure they quickly will be. But you had a great Combine, had a great Pro Day as well. Um, did anything you do in the testing process disappoint you where you were like, oh, I could have ran a tenth of a tenth, a second faster. I could have jumped two inches higher. <laughs> I would definitely say three cone. I could have I could have hit the three cone faster. I have <laughs> hit it faster. But I was definitely happy with uh what I got though. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's hard not to be when you test when you test the way you did, but it was it was funny because I've had, you know, I had like a guy Boye Mafe on who's also coming out of the draft. He's an edge rusher in Minnesota. And he okay. came on before his pro day and he was talking about, he was like, man, I could have jumped four inches higher than I did at the combine. Like I was super bummed out. And then his pro day was like the next day and he jumped four inches higher. And I was like, that's, right. it's, it, there's, it's crazy. Cause you guys are freaky athletic, but even yeah. then for, for you, like for me, I'm looking at it. And I'm like, I would pay millions of dollars to be able to run that fast, jump that high, do those things for you guys. Right. You're like, yeah, I could still run faster. I can still jump higher. It's just, it's kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. to know how crazy athletic you guys are. Definitely. It definitely is. Uh, but it's a blessing, though. I definitely say that. Right. You um, we talked about, you know, all the things you did at Oklahoma State, you breaking out as a receiver this year, you know, getting that opportunity to show that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about just what teams are telling you as far as where they see you. Do they see you being that wide tight end, the inline tight end? Do they see you maybe playing more as a big slot? I mean, you can do so many things at a good level. Where is NFL offense coordinators, NFL offensive coaches kind of projecting your role at in the NFL? Uh, with me, I am that true wide inline tight end. That's what they uh, see me as. But they also see film of me being able to play F as well. So uh, they're not scared, you know, to put me in that spot knowing that I'm able to do it. But 
most of them are do say like that will be what I will be playing. That that will be my role as being an inline wide tight end. And just talking about some of the you you mentioned it a little bit, which I'm kind of glad you brought it up, but. I wanted to talk more about just the nuance of the position and how your quarterback background may have made that like football IQ side of playing tight end easier. That transitions easier because as a quarterback, you're kind of it's a timing game as a quarterback where you're expecting a guy to be here when you hit that second or third drop as a tight end. You kind of have to know that more playing that quarterback position and understanding timing, understanding spacing and, and, you know, landmarks you have to hit at certain yardage to make sure you're on time with the quarterback. Can you just break down that a little bit more of how the like technical side and intelligent side of playing the position might, might've come a little bit smoother to you because of your quarterback background? Uh, so uh, like, like I said, when I first switched, uh, of course, like, uh, you know, being physical point of attack, all that stuff you kind of had to work on, but when it came to running routes, especially, for me, in my case, a lot of coaches, of course, use me in the middle. So reading linebacker coverage, uh, safety coverage, uh, it definitely made it easier because I at quarterback, that's what you read anyway. You read right. a free safety. The free safety tell you pretty much the whole defense of if they're rolling, you know, playing down, if they're uh, five by five or three by two or whatever like that. So um, actually playing receiver, and, you know, or you know, a slide or inline tight end and with pre-snap looking at the deep, uh, defense or front three technique to your side. Oh, it could be this, 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 or this. And, you know, limiting um, limiting, limiting the option that you have to uh, look at definitely helps you play, like I said, play faster, play smarter, uh, make the timing way easier. So when you run your route, you know, what hole to hook up at or yeah. you know, uh, what the linebacker depth should be at so you're able to beat him at a certain spot. Uh, so, uh, like I said, it made it very easy and very smooth to just, uh, you know, be able to play fast, be able to connect with your quarterback very easily. Because if, if he know what you, you know, if you know what he knows, then it just make it an easy first down or easy third down, you know, uh, second down or anything like that. Or just, you know, hot reads make yeah. that even easier. So that's kind of how, you know, that played out, I would definitely say, especially early on. And you, you kind of touched on it like that, like, especially like zone spacing, I think is huge where it's like, if you get up to the line of scrimmage and you're like, okay, you know, the linebackers here, the free safeties here. Okay. They're going to be in this coverage and they're going to be, you know, you said it like hooking into this zone. I'm going to cut this a little bit further left than right, because I know he's going to be on my, you know, play side shoulder. It's just stuff like that. I think is just, it's so overlooked and being able to kind of see the defense from a quarterback perspective as that tight end can just make you, more efficient in your spacing and in your routes. Right. And that's definitely how, like, uh, especially me being at Virginia, uh, when I got that coach kind of put me in the office, we went over a lot of stuff and he knew off the rip, like I right. kind of knew uh, what I was talking about. So he gave me that, like, he literally told me, he was like, man, you can like, he started uh, converting routes into three options. And that's kind of how my uh, game was this year. So, when a lot of when a lot of like people watch my film, they might be like, "Oh, well, he looks slow doing this, or he looks this way or this way," and that's because I'm reading the defense, right? And I have three option routes, so I can run a post route, I can run a seam, I can run a fade from one spot out the inline backside tight end spot, or if I'm split out in the slot, I can run a crosser route or a five yard option route or like a stick route, depending on the coverage. I have the option to do whatever I want, pretty much. So. Um, of course, you don't go full speed when you're reading the defense, not at all, at all times. So 
that kind of, uh, especially what I explain to scouts and them now, and then they go look at it, then they, you know, change their mind and go, oh, okay, now I see why you do this and that. And it helps me out a lot, which I feel like, you know, puts me a, puts me ahead because uh, Virginia, my office coordinator, giving me the option to do that. So that's why I, said I definitely, uh, you know, was grateful of being a quarterback first because it definitely, like, my, mentally it makes the game way easier. Right. And as we kind of wind down, what did you, you talked about some of those different routes you run as an option, you know, option route for you, but what's your favorite, like, go-to game on the line? You get to draw up the play. Like, what would that route be for you to run, um, like, from a f- formation, just kind of give, like, where I'd like to be lined up, whether it's attached or detached, and then what route I'd like to run? Uh, I would definitely say it's, it's kind of hard, so I'd just say uh, if I can be attached, like, unattached and some route down the middle of the field. I'll definitely say because I'm I love utilizing the middle of the field because I feel like it's a heavy mismatch when right. it comes to that for me. So I uh, definitely love doing that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, outside, um, you know, outside of football training, all that. I know that's a big part of, of your life being a college athlete and you got to get ready to go to the draft. But what outside of sports are you into? Uh, I do a lot of I say like reading books and stuff like that. That's definitely uh Little, you know, niche that I'm sorry to create, especially because Coach Mendenhall, he, he kind of <laughs> got me into stuff. But um, definitely music. Music is another thing I do because uh, I play the drums at my church. So, okay. I ended up, yeah, so I do a lot of, you know, kind of like that music kind of story. I like all kinds of music, all genres. Nice. So you said you play the drums at church? Yeah. How, how good are the drums are you? Uh, pretty good, actually. I started when I was like three, so. So, so, so football, if football end up doesn't working out, you, you, you're going to be on the, the kit. Oh, yeah, country. Yeah. I probably, yeah, I probably would. I probably love would. it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Last thing I got for you, man, is what are some guys that you kind of model your game after? I, I hate to kind of use that term because so many guys like to be themselves nowadays and I appreciate that. But who uh, are some guys that you. Who, I'm like, definitely, I, me, I'm more of an old school guy. So I like uh, my two top, like, Old school guys that I watch all the time is either uh, Tony Gonzalez or Antonio Gates. I love them too a lot. So, um, but new school type guy, of course, is like Gronk, like uh, Darren Waller. Always, a lot of guys don't never say Darren Waller, but I have to give him his flowers because he's a really good, uh, you know, converted tight end also. So, yeah, a lot. This was great, man. This is gonna this is gonna close out our our interview series. Um, you know, this is coming out on Wednesday, so this will be our our last podcast before the draft starts. And I really couldn't think of a, a better guy to have one. I mean, it's been a lot of fun to kind of watch the progression from Oklahoma State. I mean, again, you know, the, the, that opportunity and the role you played it well, but being able to go to Virginia and have 600 yards and, and a bunch of catches, a bunch of touchdowns, especially finding out now that it was all on a high ankle sprain. Like that was fun. But then to see you test the way you did, have the success you did in the bowl game and, and um, just really, I mean, elevate your draft stock throughout this whole last year has been a ton of fun to watch. So I was really excited to get you on and close out this uh, interview process for us. Yes, sir. I appreciate it for having me. Thank Absolutely. You. This is Jelani Woods, Virginia tight end, one of the best tight ends in this class. The draft is tomorrow. Make sure you guys tune in as we will see a lot of the guys we had on the show, Jelani included, get drafted this week. So uh, make sure you guys tune into that. We'll be back next week to recap the draft. Thanks, Jelani, for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. We're talking the draft.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.